Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. And today's podcast features a recording from last Monday evening's live salon, where our guests were Jacques Olivier and Matt Palomary, both of whom joined us to talk about Jacques' recent autobiography, which is titled Nature Loves Courage. Now, since the three of us are longtime friends who have shared quite a few experiences together, well, the conversations sometimes turn to uh, us telling a few of our old war stories. And two of Jacques' stories really stand out. As it turned out, Jacques was the last person that Terrence McKenna ever held a DMT pipe for. And uh, then there's a story about how Jacques wound up spending a rainy night all alone in Terrence's house in Hawaii just after he helped pack the library for a shipment to the States. And the only things that were left in the room where he spent the night was his backpack that uh, fortunately had a little DMT in it and an urn on the mantle that contained Terrence McKenna's ashes. <laughs> well, the story gets quite interesting from there. So uh, now let's join the live salon and uh, hear a few of those stories about Terrence McKenna. Thank you. Hey, Jacques, I, I uh, saw you in, in uh, uh, Bruce's live salon where Dennis was there and we were having a Terrence uh, tribute. In fact, uh, I'm going to podcast this, this this talk we're having here tonight first, and then after that, I'm going to repodcast Bruce's uh, tribute to Terrence. Oh, uh, tremendous. So I, I don't know if you, you all were aware of that, but Saturday was the 21st anniversary of uh, Terrence's death, and uh, so there were a lot of events, and Bruce did a live salon with his Levity Zone, and uh, a bunch of us were there, and, and Shock was there, too. Yeah. Was there... Uh... Uh, Mateo has, uh, was up there on Orcas Island visiting me for the last month and he took the, uh, the scraps and, and ideas that I had for a book that I started writing on Orcas Island when I got here in 2018. And, uh, he put it together and created a, you know, we both created a, uh, the book and it's done. So I had my near death experience with my heart attack playing at Imagine, and I was like, people were like, well, there must be a reason it wasn't your time to go, and it's like, well, I guess not, because I'm not finished with my book, <laughs> so <laughs> now now my book is done, and there it is, Nature Loves Courage, it's about Which my is life. a quote of Terrence, that's one of Terrence's quotes, isn't it? it is, it's actually a, a quote from Plato, and Terrence oh. used it a lot, yeah, it's a oh, platonic okay. uh, thing. So uh, that, uh, yeah, let's let's just rewind a bit because uh, so much has happened, and, and of course uh, Charles has been up to Orcas too. He was there for the Convergence uh, Festival just before the the, the mm-hmm. festival that you uh, uh, almost tapped out at. But uh, let's let's rewind a bit and uh, kind of bring everybody up to speed. Uh, first of all, I want everybody to know that of all the thousand hours plus of podcasting from the Psychedelic Salon. The only voice besides mine that has been in every single podcast is Jacques. <laughs> Jacques, Jacques' group, Chateau Hayuk, uh, provided the music. Jacques wrote and, and sang uh, El Alien, which is our theme song. And, and you, you can play that to literally millions of people, and they will write, write, recognize it right away. So, oh, so, man. That's so amazing. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much for that. Oh no! Hey, thank you. You know, I and and Jacques has Jacques has given it to me free. All I've really done is I provided the URL for him, uh, his 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 band. But his band also played, and and Mateo, I'm pretty sure you were there at uh, the Wave at Ken's Ken's place for Terrence McKenna. Oh yeah, two CT seven. Yeah, and and see, it was it was a combination of an Irish wake and a rave. And so they called it a wave, and the the live performance there was Chateau Hyuk, and that uh, Hyuk, and that's where I got to hear Jacques play live for the first time. So uh, yeah. I don't, I, I'll tell you what, since Matteo and Jacques have spent a, a month together putting this book together, uh, I'm going to kind of turn it over to them, and 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 I would suggest that that uh, at any point that you have questions about what they're saying and all, 
uh, we jump in with questions because this is just sort of an informal gathering and all. But uh, I, I, I have a few stories I want to get to eventually, but I'll let you guys kind of uh, tell us how you put the book together and how you find all these scraps, Matteo, and, and uh, what do you do after that? <laughs> well, so I'll, I'll start out, and anybody please jump in. Some of you guys know um, I've been teaching writing for uh, 30, 36 years. And actually, uh, Lorenzo's wonderful spirit of the internet. I, I did an edit on that way back. And we got you, you got, uh, was it the first independent ebook award, didn't you, Lorenzo? Yeah, I, yeah, at, uh, the, the book festival in, uh, at, uh, University of Virginia. Festival yeah, of yeah, yeah. So I've been, um, teaching for, like I say, about 36 years. Uh, actually, take that back. I've been teaching over 30. I've been writing close to 40. And what I tell my students is puke on the page. So I told uh, Paloka, I said, look, I'm coming up and, and I'm not screwing around. So get ready for a size nine and a half up your ass. And, you know, rock bands have their requirements, like, you know, you, no red M&Ms and shit. So I said to him, you have to fly me up there. You have to feed me. You have to supply me with cannabis, coffee, half and half and cinnamon. And we're going to tear it up. And um, I went up, and, and he kept his word. And so I took his first draft. Um, I can't remember. Uh, I might have spent three or four days doing a serious red line edit. And then I handed it back to him, and I said, you go, boy. And to his credit, he went for it. And then we printed it out again, and I did the same thing again. It took about half as long. Uh, but he was a real trooper, and he was having some health issues. And he showed up, and he really took care of business. Now, I probably helped people publish two, three dozen books. I've lost track at this point. And he's, uh, don't let this go to your head there, homie, but he's like the best person I ever worked with. I said, this is what you should do. He said, okay, and he did it. Um, Very easy. <laughs> let, let, me, let me just jump in here. Yeah, I've, I've got, I think, eight books or so published now. But I, before that, I was a tech, tech writer. I, I wrote tech pubs for both IBM and Verizon. And I wrote... Dozens and dozens of them. The worst thing about being a writer, a professional writer, is dealing with an editor, and especially an <laughs> editor that wants no red M&Ms. I'll tell you what. My hat's <laughs> off to you, Jacques. Dealing uh, with Mateo is not easy. <laughs> well, you know, I found him to be very uh, helpful. I mean, he, everything he suggested was right on. It just made it much easier to read. It's a fast, entertaining read. Um, he, he told me there's a, there's a, there's some sadness. There's some, there's some loss because it's basically a memoir of my last, of most of my life. So like all of us, we, I've, I've experienced some, some extreme loss. And I, I realized I kind of put it together that I, I was le leading up to a heart attack because I was, my heart was from dying from a broken heart from losing three really close people in the space of five years. I was just like, wow. So Matteo told me when you read it, you know, some people might get stuck in there, but it's got the great, greatest happy ending, the best happy ending of any Hollywood story, because it, it leads up to me doing exactly what I love to do on Orcas Island, which is a magical place and dying at the end of a musical set that was well-received or literally, you know, no, no heartbeat, no pulse for 10, 15 minutes and being saved by the people in my, in my, in my audience in the near vicinity. Everybody just took action and the community worked together and they all prayed for me. And here I am, you know, it's, it's miraculous. So I live with, I live, I'm in this extended period of like extended life kind of thing. Like after Terrence had his grand mal, it was a period of a year where he was like feeling, you know, he was really coming into his heart and it was just all about love. And, you know, he was not even concerned about anything else. And uh, I think that happens with near-death experiences. They're spiritual experiences, just like psychedelics are spiritual experiences. And in the book, I weave all this together because I've got, Many, many experiences that I sh shared with uh, Mateo of sitting with 5-MEO with people, 
which is probably the closest you get to the the post life state or the pre pre born state or death state. You know, in my let, let me let me jump in a minute here to 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 give a little bit more background that people uh, you know that that uh, first of all this is sort of your your reincarnation right now because you actually yeah. did die and and but of your your life before this reincarnation uh there, there's a few people here who are old enough who remember the old reader's digest had a section called the most my most unforgettable character and <laughs> and of my three most unforgettable characters jacques you are certainly one uh, oh, some of the well, some of these story, you know, I've I've had some experiences with Jacques as well, but some of the stories about him uh, and, and that I've I've heard from people who were there are are pretty awesome. So uh, it's it's not like like just uh, another guy who smoked a little dope and wrote a book. Uh, Jacques has lived on the edge ever since I've known him for sure. So uh, with that little preface, I didn't mean to jump in, but oh, no, you, know, no, you no. might want to add to that, Mateo. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. take it away. Yeah, so you're, you're the boss. So, interestingly, with, with all the tragedy that uh, Polokas had in his life, I was having similar tragedies, like so much in sync. And um, as, uh, we, we both had some really dark, dark, dark moments together. Um, you know, being homeless and death everywhere and all that kind of stuff. And when I asked him... Um, because I always wondered, I said, is 5MEO really a dress rehearsal for death? And he said, yes. And I said, yeah, I knew it. I knew it the whole time. So that was a, a really great uh, validation. And as fate would have it, he is in the middle of my memoir, Spirit Matters. And, and then he put me in the opening of his, all uh, about the same experience. And we've told it from our two different perspectives, which is uh, filled in the blank. So we've had a really uh, interesting, close, and very bizarre connection. I'm going to let you pick this up in just a second, but well, I, 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 I'll add that in my my novel, The Genesis Generation, uh, Paloka also has a, a cameo there where he's playing guitar at uh, the Magic Funk Palace in uh, San Francisco. So uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he is in in your memoir and my novel. So uh, he, we've got him we've got him memorialized there. <laughs> yeah, he's like a cockroach. He's not going to go away. We already he already tried to croak once and didn't make it. So the other little piece, and I'm going to let him pick up on this, but. Um, I was writing this while he was going through his experience. I don't know if you guys can see that or not. And, and I didn't tell him. And then right about when he died is when I was finishing up the draft. And then I released the book, and I released the book just literally like a month before COVID became well-known. And so we had that really weird, weird synchronicity that we followed up on. Uh, you, you I want to mention, mention the name of your book because I'm going to put this in the podcast and they can't see your shirt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. So it's death, a love story. And, and in a really brief nutshell, it's first person voice of death. And death says, Hey, I'm here for you. Oh, not in that way. Not right now. At least they don't think so. But I'm here for you. And my love for you is all consuming and unconditional. And you and I have a date, whether you like it or not. And then it, <laughs> and it goes on uh, from there in a lot of depth. Poloka's read it, but th- those synchronicities. So Poloka, why don't you pick it up from there, bro? Well, uh, de- you know, the interesting thing is that it's a death is a, it's an ominous thing. But what 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 I read a quote by Terrence McKenna recently on a meme, and it said, "Quote by Terrence said, death has no sting, has no sting." So it's really just the people that are left behind that are mourning and sad. I and mean, when you go, you're free. You're just, you know, you're you're not constrained to a body. You're not constrained to to anything. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the perspective that I'm I'm living with all the time now. But um, your your book coming out, what your focus? It's it's really calm. It's really uh, fun to read, and it's it's informative. And it's really uh, uh, lighthearted. It takes it takes away the. It's it's not something that's you need to you want to avoid. Death is not something to avoid. It's something to prepare for and celebrate. Yeah. Speaking uh, of death having no sting, you want to tell a story, Lorenzo? Well, I I was going to ask a story because uh, I've I've in this 
uh, live salon here. I've probably mentioned this a dozen times over the, you know, we've been doing this since 2018, long before the pandemic. And, and I've, I've mentioned Jacques several times the story about that you told me about the night that uh, you cleared out Terrence's library and got it all packed mm-hmm. and it was raining. They were supposed to come back and pick you up and, and, uh, uh, they didn't show up and you had an unusual night. You, I don't know if you want to tell that story, but I, I yeah. love it. I, yes, it does. That one's, that one's actually in my book. And, uh, let me see if I can find it. There we go. Interstellar tour guide. I have a photo here of, that's Terrence in, in the urn, in his library. And, uh, yeah, what happened was, I'm, I'm not going to read this. Should I read it? I guess That's I could you. read it. Okay. You to tell it. All right. Well, let's, let's do a little reading. This would be great to have the author do a short reading. Yeah, you don't have to read the yeah. whole thing. You can stop and embellish when you get to a stopping point, but Absolutely. it'd be great to have a little reading. Yeah. Okay. Interstellar Tour Guide. Sitting and providing medicine became my work for the next two years, for the next few years from 1999 to 2006 after Terrence's departure. I also became a mushroom chauffeur traveling the West Coast in my RV. In addition to playing and recording music, I provided and guided psychedelic experiences to people when requested, which is how I started off the 21st century. Terrence ascended the spirit on April 3rd, 2000, leaving a huge void in the world of psychedelia. In May of 2000, I returned to the Big Island to help pack the personal books of Terrence's library in boxes with his brother Dennis. After sorting out the books that Dennis wanted, the remainder were sent to Esalen and Big Sur following Terrence's wishes. Unfortunately, those books were lost in a fire where they were stored above a restaurant in Monterey, California. When we finished boxing the last of the books, Dennis left me alone with Terrence's ashes on a bookshelf amid a small altar that consisted of an urn surrounded by a few items, one of which was a small green rubber frog. I saw this as a sign because my Hawaiian spirit name is Poloka Lele, or Flying Frog. I carried the 5-MEO frog medicine that day and decided it would be appropriate to have a smoke, final smoke with Terrence in the realm of the infinite. After placing a Nature Loves Courage CD on the altar underneath his ashes, I prepared a one-hitter of cannabis and 5-MEO-DMT. It started to rain, and as the torrent grew stronger, I lit the bulb and inhaled deeply, slipping into the forever that is 5-MEO-DMT. A thunderous bolt of lightning struck, intensifying the experience of the launch into hyperdimensional travel. And I was in the ethers with Terrence in the afterlife. We were both at peace in the light of pure loving awareness, beyond the tribulations of earthly three-dimensional existence, where we enjoyed each other's presence beyond words by simply feeling. It, it felt that he telepathically understood my gratitude for all he had brought to my life and all the inspiration and loving support that he exuded while on earth. My, le- my role is to give people permission to explore on a deeper level was his conclusion about his own life's path. He truly gave me permission to explore the depths of my consciousness, for which I'm eternally grateful. A torrent of rain on the roof symbolized the tears of sadness felt for the loss of his body, and it subsided as I reentered my body. He reassured me that death was nothing to fear and make the most of my time here by loving without fear, condition, or restriction. After carefully placing a necklace I'd been wearing with my Mayan birthstone around the copper box holding Terrence's ashes, I returned to the mainland the following week to begin a new life as a portal opener and medicine carrier with 5-MEO for the next six years. Bravo! <laughs> oh, I can read. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only you can read, you can write, but you also can experience. I mean, what an awesome experience to spend the night alone in Terrence's final home with his ashes. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a final farewell if there ever was one. That was 1999. I ended up living in that same house from 2007 to 2012. 
uh, you know, going through the, the process. That, so that, was in two, that was actually in 2000, not 99, because he two, died. 2000, yeah, he died yeah. in 2000, it was a month after he died. Yeah. yeah. And then you lived there for how long? Uh, well, on and off from, from 1999 all the way to tw- 2012, but really full on from 2008 to 2012. Because I was living in, in the same house, in that same library where, where this, all this experience happened. And I, I did a recording as well on the, here, this is crazy. It's going to sound crazy, but the woman that I was, my fiance that I lived with at Fer- Terrence's house, her birthday was four, four. So yesterday, uh, one day after Terrence's departure day. And she recorded, I recorded her, her voice in the light, in that same library in 2010 two months before she passed away. So it's on a, it's on my song called Source, and we both co-wrote it, and it just came to us. We were living in that house for a few years, and it was her last, final birthday. She knew she was sick. She had uh, hep C and liver cancer, and it was like just a very harrowing time. And and so, yeah, it's that's my favorite song that I think I've ever recorded. And be sure to send me links to, to uh, you know, all the places people can find your music and get a hold of you so I can put it with the program notes for this podcast. Okay, I think... Yeah, I, I, I think, emailed it to you. Yeah, it's in your email. Uh, but Mateo's took care, uh, e- emailed them to you. I forwarded them okay. uh, to him. Yeah, if you need them again, let me know, but I did send them to no, you. No, I I'm kind of I never do email like when I get it, so I, I know I have some things waiting from you. <laughs> I don't blame you, bro. <laughs> Listen to 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 uh, change the tempo a little bit. Uh, yeah. I remember a time that you you came down here uh, and you were selling cannabis calendars uh, after you'd been uh, working up in the triangle. Do you want to talk about that at all? <laughs> yeah, that was two thousand seven. Uh, uh, that was a period of after I had been sitting with five meo and doing really intense psychedelic work for six seven years. I, I just said, I, I, I'm done. I have to stop. I, I need to uh, get in touch with the earth. And I got a job at a, on a cannabis farm uh, up in Mendocino. And and that's all there was, was cannabis. And, and uh, my publishing background um, with, uh, well, I worked at the LA Weekly for 16 years. So I have some writing experience and, and publishing experience. And that, I think working with Mateo really brought all that experience back through. And that's why it was easy to work with because we kind of both knew what, 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 what had to be done. And we were just really focused, but um, yeah, I, I published a calendar. With, I had a, I, it was just my midlife crisis. I was 52 and she was 25. And we just vibed on our, on our artistic level. So we were both on the same farm and we did a calendar and, and she looks a lot like Betty Page, the fifties, uh, her, her facial features resemble Betty Page a lot. So we created this character called Dready Page. We, so we put her hair in dreads and she was Dready Page. And interestingly enough, it was for 2008 and that's the year the real Betty Page passed away. What? You have one close by you can show us that's not X-rated. I do. Hang on. I, I I have I have one in my storage. I actually still have that, uh, Jacques. And and uh, and for you old timers here, uh, she did have an amazing does have an amazing resemblance to Betty Page. If you ever seen her, there, there you she go. Is. He's got it. <laughs> yeah, she, but it's a real weird. Betty Page Betty Page and cannabis calendar. I'll tell you, it's a beautiful calendar. So uh, yeah, I was hoping sure. he'd update it every year, but it, you know, so uh, it would be my pleasure. <laughs> use, use my old calendar. So, uh, uh, Mateo, maybe you can uh, pick out a few stories from the book that you think uh, might be uh, enlightening uh, a little bit of giving different uh, look at different facets of Jock's uh, life. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, Poloka. Wait, here, here's, here's, a, here's a, uh, Oh, here's another, there's a very, uh, uh, PG picture from there. Yeah, these, it's, were, it's, these, these are really well done. I mean, it's a high quality picture. It's a good calendar. So if you see one on the newsstand, be sure to pick it up. 
So, yeah, hey, Paloka, why don't you tell us about your uh, your little beach adventure with the 5-MEO DIPT, the Foxy, right? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I. this was like 2002, so right after 9-11 and airports were a hassle and, you know, I, you had to, I had to reach new levels of uh, sophistication with smuggling neurotransmitters. And 5-MeO-DIPT is 5-methoxy-diisopropyltryptamine. And it is a sensory enhancer. It's related to psilocybin, but it doesn't, it, there's none of the psychological stuff that happens with psilocybin. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a, 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 and the, the active dose is like 12 to 20 milligrams. So I was traveling to Kauai and I wanted to bring the DIPT with me. So I put it in a gel cap and hid it in a, bo- in a bottle of vitamins. Well, when I get to Kauai one day, I went to take my vitamins and I didn't check it. I, I didn't make the mark, you know, the mark had worn off. And I accidentally took 350 milligrams of, of, of 5-MeO-DIPT, Foxy Methoxy. And it was like, it was like living, it was like being a rubber glove and being turned inside out. That's, that's exactly, I went into a coma for about, probably 12 hours and luckily I survived that took me a few weeks to come back and know my own name. And as Sasha Shogun was really ecstatic to hear that because it means that the LDL, which means the level that it takes to take, to kill somebody is known. (laughs) You know, it's like, it was, it was a high level, you know, it was over 350. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I lived, I survived. And so he wanted me to write it up and he was going to, Published it in a book that he was planning on um, publishing about people's trips. You know, when, when that first first came around, our little group was testing it and experimenting with it and, and uh, handing it around <laughs> and all. Uh, I we had a, a, a contest to vote for the name, and Foxy Methoxy won. I had a much better name. Uh, but I can't remember what it was now, <laughs> so I guess it wasn't that great after all. But, <laughs> you know, you talk about learning ways to smuggle chemicals. Uh, when we were going to Palenque, it's either 2000 or 2001, and we're going with a tail through LAX. And, and we'd all gone through security. It was, it was John Prince and Mary C. and I and a bunch of people, and, you know, we were already pretty well stoned, but Mateo's the last to go through, and they're going through his stuff because he looks like a, you know, he looks like a drug dealer, quite frankly, <laughs> uh, when he's going through with the way, he's on his way to Palenque, he wanted to fit in, you know, and so all of a sudden they empty his, his camera case and he's got like 20 little film cases, you remember film cases, uh, <laughs> and they were filled with 5-MEO, and the people are look, looking at it and everything, and of course, we're standing just back on the other side of the little fence there, and we're we're all freaking out. Mateo's just really cool, you know, and they, you know, talking among themselves and all. And so they go away to get a supervisor. Mateo just picks it all up and walks away, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> there you go. You got to be bold. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was interesting because I had it in a little vial, and I had this little coke spoon that was that laid out the perfect dose. So they saw the white powder in the, in the little Coke spoon. They said, what's this? And I, and I said, it's incense. And they're looking at me. Oh, I better go get my supervisor. So like Lorenzo said, as soon as they turned around, I said, fuck this. I'm out of here, man. Nice. <laughs> that was a moment. Yeah. That was a moment, all right. <laughs> and that began yeah. our trip to Palenque that year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So getting back to Jacques and his book, I didn't mean to, to side. No, nah, hey, Sorry. stories. Yeah, so, um, Paloka, you want to talk about our adventure at Palenque there, where you, where you, uh, you and I had those shroomies, and you went off on your little thing. That's another fun thing for you. Oh boy! Don't um, have to if I'm embarrassing you. It's okay. See, the, the, moral, the moral of this podcast is you can really do stupid things with drugs and still survive. Psychedelic <laughs> drugs won't kill you. <laughs> they, they, they'll, they'll keep you sane, actually. And prepare you for the end. <laughs> but, um, yeah, w- w- you know, in Palenque, uh, 
Mateo and I ran across a shaman who boiled some, boiled the mushroom tea of the local psilocybin cubensis mushrooms by the Mayan ruins. And, uh, in the second week of, of, uh, when Terrence was leading the, the, the group through the Mayan ruins, um, Mateo and I took, drank, I don't even know. I have no idea what the dose is. By far the most intense, potent dose of mushrooms I'd ever taken. And, um, I just remember, I just remember sitting in a tree and there was a, a little girl that came up trying to sell us things. And all of a sudden everything just fell away. It was, it was just like, Oh my God. Uh, and I was looking around, surrounded by the Mayan ruins. And so we wandered around the Mayan ruins and, uh, you know, the texture and the moss and the different colors and the, the, the history and all the life and, incredible, you know, life of the Mayans just soaked in that for a couple of hours. And then we came back together. Matea and I had been wandering on our own. We came back together and there was some, some German tourists who weren't tripping at all, but we were just like tripping balls, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like, Oh my God. And, um, the, the German tourist was pointing over and he was like, that's where they used to sacrifice people and throw people. And, and just, he just suggested death in my mind. And it was like, I was off to the races. It's like, I, I, I started to believe that I was going to die that day. Certainly somehow it was going to happen. You know, I, I, I went rushing and saw Sasha Shulgin guiding people through the room, my rooms. He had this shock of white hair and I just went and, grabbed them by the back and started babbling in, in Spanish and French and different, any language I knew, just help. And he, and he was just laughing. He was like, he was so calm and so reassuring, just like psychedelic grandpa. You know, oh yeah, you, you're just tripping out of your fucking mind, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was trying to give him, I had some 5-MEO with me. I was like trying to give it to Sasha because I knew I was going to die. And so I wanted him to give it to Terrence back at the hotel. It was, it's complete nonsense. But to, to make a long story short, I didn't physically die. I finally went to sleep that night. Next day, sitting by the uh, a flowing brook uh, by the water, all the lyrics to the, um, the, the Chataho Yuk, the Nature Loves Courage CD that, that plays um, – that Lorenzo plays and the whole CD just came pouring through. I just wrote, wrote it down word for word. I didn't think about it. And it was just an amazing uh, artistic kick in the ass, <laughs> you know, cause, cause Terrence was, was always like stressing the idea that all artists had to put, put the pedal to the metal. Now, you know, we had to get the, the word out that there, there are answers and, as with with uh, intelligent research and 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 good intentions, um, you can you can live in paradise all the time. Shock! After all these years, this is the first time I've learned the story of where that CD and all this music came from, and yes. so it, it has so much more meaning <laughs> that it's the theme song for the salon. You know, that's that's awesome. I love that story. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and any any real artist just gets inspired, whether you know about it or not. You know, but, but as you produce it, it just is, it's something that, like even this book, it's like something that just had to spill out. I'm so had I had to get it done. I started writing it a year before my heart attack when I first moved to Orcas. It's like as a way to just archive my life, and you know, yeah, I got I got to leave these stories behind for somebody. You know, I can't tell, I can only tell them to some a certain amount of people at the time. The, the culminating story in, in this thing, I'll just give you a hint, is smoking DMT with Terrence McKenna in Hawaii uh, three months before he died, when he knew he was going to die. I was the last person he held the pipe for. And that, I'll suggest, and I could read it on the book, on the book, but it'd probably be better for just people to read it themselves. Um, it was over the top, and I was the 13th person in a group of 13 to to sit in front of him and smoke. 
and it answered the, the question definitively that I had had for a couple of years. What's the difference between 5-MeO-DMT and, and, and NN-DMT? What is the, the experiential difference? And Because I, I encountered 5-MeO-DMT with Matt first, so I didn't know. And boy, he showed me. I, I got to see, I got the full-blown Terrence McKenna uh, DMT that, uh, the shining elves color. Oh man, it's I. I should probably read it because it's like try, trying to explain how over the top it was. Is uh, it's only like a paragraph, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I guess I could do that. And find that. I like, while, I like, you're, while you're looking for that, Mateo, I should I should point out something here. The moral of this story seems to be it's a good thing he didn't finish that book before he had that heart attack on stage because wanting to finish the book is what brought him back. That's why he came back. So my procrastination on putting off uh, writing, finishing this book I'm working on right now maybe is saving my life. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, well, you know, I had actually reached a point in the, in the book where I was kind of stuck. Because I was describing the grief and I losing people and I was like kind of stuck and where where do I end this book you know where I end it right right now and uh, and then I had the heart attack while and it's like there's the end of the book there's the whole story <laughs> it wraps up makes makes total sense you know but you had to come back and write it otherwise you wouldn't you know I had to come back and finish it and here he's, he is he's, he's resurrected and he died for our sins. I did, and it's, it's a day after Easter, so here, here it's a perfect, perfect timing. Like everything in life is perfect timing. To die after after playing a concert, to have a heart attack on stage, and have a, people there to to actually revive you with with equipment necessary to revive you is is just such an impossible odds of something like that happening. And and it's, it's about the, it's about timing. Somehow I, I chose that time to check out. And it's because I was doing exactly what I love to do. I followed my heart. I'm I, playing music at a small, beautiful family psychedelic festival. It's like, it's going to be hard to be, hard one to beat. You know? Let's also compliment the, the festival organizer, Darren Long, and all of the people at the festival that worked on his staff, all volunteers. Uh, because yeah. they're the ones that really had everything there. He knew how to plan for things like this, and obviously he did it well. Well, yeah, he was, I tell you, when they took me away in the helicopter, he was he was biting his nails for a couple of days to find out if I was going to survive. And when it, when it turns out that I did survive, he was like overjoyed, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's got a happy ending, you know. For what it's worth, we were all overjoyed, <laughs> Jacques. <laughs> You, <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> me too. I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy about it. I, I, I really. I highly recommend it. I mean, if you and if you can't do five meo DMT, it's the next closest thing. You know? <laughs> here's here's the, here's that chapter. Answers beheld. On the third day of grandmother works, Terrence arrived in a weakened state with Christy. All chemical arts two weeks before had left him fatigued. We met in the living room for orientation, and Terrence addressed our group of 13 by laying the ground rules for the experience. There are no rules except that the first person to speak is the one smoking. All others will hold space in silence during the smoker's journey. To save time, he administered two people at a time, with each person facing each other on either side of him. As the first two took their positions, he prepared the pipes for more. I advise you to very lightly kiss the pipe as drawing too hard is not effective. After the first hit, I'll wait a minute and ask you if you want another. If you can hear me and get up, I suggest you hit it again. I will repeat this process until you've broken through and can no longer do it. The goal is not to get stuck half-baked, as it were. He handed the pipe to the first traveler and fired the bowl filled with his personal NNDMT stash. A clear rock the size of a golf ball that he shaved with a razor blade into the pipe. After smoking, each person laid back waiting for the flash to hit. A minute later, Terrence asked if they want another. Most did, 
and some took a third before the medicine took effect. A couple of hours later, after six pairs had smoked and reached various levels of DMT consciousness, Terrence asked, did I miss anyone? I slowly raised my hand. Me, this made me number 13. Uh, my heart attack was on Friday the 13th on a full moon, by the way. 13 is my lucky number. Um, this made me number 13, the final person left to experience this miracle in his presence. Come up and let's do this. The surreal nature of the situation hit me as I sat before him. I was about to smoke Terrence McKenna's NMDMT with him in a Frank Lloyd Wright house in Hawaii after two days of drinking Terrence's ayahuasca brew. My entire psychedelic life had brought me to this moment, and I decided to make the most of it by going for it with as much courage and gusto as possible. Carpe diem. Terrence handed me the pipe, a six-inch glass tube with a round glass bubble at the business head. He shaved about half a gram from his crystal clear golf ball of DMT and deposited some in the pipe before handing it to me. He applied a blue torch from a beautiful hand lighter to the bowl and in a signature voice said, now kiss the pipe. I emptied my lungs with a long exhale and very lightly kissed the pipe, filling my lungs with sacred smoke. After holding the hit for five seconds, I exhaled and prepared the next hit. I kissed it again and with lungs at full capacity held it. We repeated this once more. And at this point, I laid back holding the third hit. I was in a circus, I was in the circus starting to enjoy fantastic, colorful hallucinations. When in the far distance, I heard in his charming hypnotic nasal drawl, do you want another hit? It took me everything I had to sit up, and I felt the pipe being held on my lips and heard the torch of the flame. As I inhaled, I opened my eyes to see Terrence's head and face and watched it explode into tiny fractal versions or replicas perfectly identical and spaced apart, as if I had the vision of a bee. Those tiny Terrence heads morphed slowly into shiny, silver, reflective, perfectly aligned spheres that filled my entire field of vision. The mirrored balls emitted, emitted shafts of rainbow light in all directions and rotated toward me, bathing me in the light of a ruthlessly pure machine elf love. I was the clown and the circus, and the joke was on me. I stayed stunned in this encounter with alien love for a while and eventually came back into my body. I looked around and realized that I now sat in a different part of the room, about 10 feet from where Terrence sat. I looked, the look on people's faces ranged from shock and startling, smiling and amused, because I had been loud and agitated. Feeling like I might have said too much already, I stayed silent, hoping to get my bearings in my body. After an extended period of awkward silence, Terrence broke, out, broke his own rule. Now that's how I smoke DMT. Tension released, <laughs> roaring laugh coming from everyone, including Terrence, who clearly enjoyed himself. This event permanently altered me in ways that I am still processing to this day. My question for Terrence was finally answered, and now I can say I know the difference between NNDMT and 5-MeO-DMT experience. What a way to end the 20th century and to begin the 21st. And then I, then I have a Hawaiian kahuna. Be aware, be free, be focused, be here, be loved, be strong, and be healed. So that's, that's a great story. That's a great story. That's why I had to write it down. I was just like, oh my God, it's so clear. It's so, I mean, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I, I I have heard some other stories from that that uh, two week experience. I I got invited, but I could not uh, take the time off and afford to do it. And uh, I've always been sorry about that. But on the other hand, I'm not sure I was up to that because uh, I I've I've seen uh, Jacques under some of his uh, experiences, and he is an active user. Let me just say, <laughs> he he doesn't necessarily uh, put the eye shades on and sit still. <laughs> Yeah, I try not to hold back. <laughs> so, 
So, so are there are there other questions here? Is this uh, Mateo and I have kind of dominated this? Do anybody hear some other questions you have? Yeah, we're open. <clears throat> Go ahead. Yeah, well, I don't know. Oh, Charles. Hey, Charles. Thanks for your contributions, there, bro. Uh, and um, he did do a great reading. I love the Terrence uh, accent. I hadn't heard <laughs> you do that before, dude. That was good. I have, I'll, I'll try to work on that impression and ham it up a bit. <laughs> yeah. So um, I really want to make I want to make this about you, Paloka, but I do have one quick story I want to tell. Um, it's not about me. <laughs> no, all right. I'll, I'll I'll take the spotlight off you for just a brief, brief second. Yeah. Um, so when the All Chemical Arts was going on, I couldn't afford to go because my novel, my historical novel, Land Without Evil, was coming out. And the day the books came from the printer, I called up Paloka and I said, hey, man, uh, are you going to, what time are you going to bed? He said, I'm not. I'm staying up all night. I'm leaving in the morning. And so I said, I'm on my way. And I drove all night. I drove up to L.A. from San Diego and I gave him the absolute very first copy of the printing of Land Without Evil with a care package for Terrence. And um, he brought it to him and hand delivered it. And then I turned around and drove all the way home and slammed coffee and went to work all day the next day. But it, it may very well have been the last book that Terrence read, which ultimately led to Lorenzo, you and I meeting with Mary C. Um, you want to pick up that thread? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll add to your story about Terrence in that uh, last Saturday when uh, uh, Bruce was telling the story about, uh, uh, you know, posthumous glory. That's where the action is when, when Terrence said that. After that, that panel, uh, Terrence sat on a chair, which he really, he hated this. It was very awkward for him. He, we all wanted to send him loving energy. So we made him sit on this chair in the middle of this room where after Constant Denby had done her, her concert. And we all laid on the floor with our heads uh, pointing toward Terrence. And Bruce was actually laying on the floor right there next to Terrence. And he commented on the fact that your book was, Terrence was holding it during this whole time. So, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that book uh, was very obvious during the, uh, uh, the the session there, the all chemical arts thing. Uh, at the time, I didn't know Mateo, and uh, so uh, I guess it's a few weeks later. Uh, I'm at this uh, undisclosed location to do ayahuasca, and uh, you know, I I got there early and I set up my stuff, and uh, this guy came in next to me, and and he was just kind of irritating, you know. He's making noise, and he's kind of robust and all, and and he gets his stuff out, and all of a sudden, this he opens his bag, and some books fall, pile out, and there's that book that Terrence was was carrying, and it was Mateo, it was his book, and we've been fast friends ever since. Uh, we've 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 had our few knockdown dragouts, but we've made it through, you know. Uh, we get bloodied like Irish people do, and then we shake hands and move ahead. So uh, we've been been close friends since that, and it all had to do with uh, that connection with Terrence, because if I hadn't seen that book in Terrence's hand. I probably would have stayed irritated at you for that whole session. I don't know. <laughs> you, you blew it. You should have. You had your chance, dude. <laughs> and as we all know, my obnoxiousness and my better qualities, right? <laughs> so, um, so you know, too, I don't know if anybody knows, but we just lost Constance there about a week ago, Constance Denby. Yeah, I don't know if too many people are, are familiar with her. She was a really wonderful mu mu musician, and she uh, uh, she played at Terrence's All Chemical Arts, and, and her instrument that she created, I forgot what it's called. Uh, uh, Space Beast. Yes. And, Space and Beast. She had to have it shipped by, it had to go by ship to Hawaii. It was so big and bulky. I mean, she's, she spent a lot of money to do that. And uh, so she wanted to play that final concert uh, for Terrence to hear. So, uh, uh, and then she, you know, she's played at a lot of other things. She played at the uh, event that Bruce and I did in 2012 uh, at uh, Sierra Madre when uh, uh, we did the Terrence uh, Memorial thing then too. So uh, she's been a part of the community for a long time and uh, you know, sorry to see her go, but uh, yeah. it's been a year of that, I guess, huh? Yeah, somebody, one of you guys can correct me, but somebody put up here on the chat the difference between NN and 5-MeO. And I, okay. I think, I think they, what they used to say that, um, was that NN was the power and 5-MeO was the glory? Is that what they That's used right. to say? I, I think I've heard That's that right. before. Power and the glory. Yeah. So, 
two quite different effects. I actually tried it for a period of time to smoke them both at the same time, but the melting points were different. I never was successful. And, and that's also a very stupid idea, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> He's full of them. He's full of them. Now, now one after the other, I, I would think would be kind of interesting, you know. But the, the, And for people who have never used either one of them, that NNDMT, they call it the power, and it is just overwhelming. It, it's the most powerful psychedelic experience there is, uh, possibly. I don't know. I haven't had all of them. But the, the 5-MeO, the glory, is instead of this powerful psychedelic experience, you just dissolve into countless trillions of little bits of dust in the cosmos, and you're just diffused throughout the cosmos, and it's the glory of it all. It's the really just totally different experiences, and uh, each one is something to the, worth having, I'm sure, I, I, I suspect uh, everybody probably has and if not you should <laughs> and in and in is uh very visually uh stimulating there's real strong visual uh cortex a- activity so 5meo just seems to be less that and more vibratory i guess you could say or even sound based uh they just sort of act on different centers of the brain and and like I said, five meo is like sort of like power down. It's it's this whole gamma state that your 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 brain will enter if 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 your it feels like it's dying. That's when the frogs met it. It's you know synthesized by the frogs to stun their prey and not the prey, the people that are, the, the people, the animals that are preying on the animals that are preying on them to just stun them and thinking they're, they're dead and, but without killing them. So it's, it's a very powerful near death experience. Whereas NN, you can literally just stay in your body and see overlays and see these beings. Nature loves courage. All right. Thank you. On Amazon, there's an ebook and a tree book. The ebook has color pictures and links and all that kind of fun stuff. And I think it's a quick read. It's 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 a fun read. It's pretty action packed, and it's got a great happy ending. So there you go. All right, awesome. I'll get it yeah. And Amazon reviews really really help if anybody's so inclined. Well, I think what's really amazing is that <coughs> Teo and Jacques spent a month together, and neither one of them is in prison right now. So I think that is an amazing story <laughs> in and of itself. So, and with that, everybody, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a night for now, and I hope that see you Thursday or next Monday. But until then, keep the old faith and stay high. And for now, this is Lorenzo signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Namaste, my friends.